Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. So just before I start our final session in James, um, which is right at the end of the book, I wanted to um, just get a couple of people to share testimony because in essence today we're going to be praying uh, for people and um, you could bring maybe tell stories of some really amazing you know uh, healings that you know about and things like that but but I, I really wanted to make it a lot more basic than that and I've asked a couple of people to come up who are simply going to share accounts of where God has answered prayer in the last week or so I just want you to have an expectation that God actually answers prayer. One of those prayers might be for healing, but it might be for many, many other things. So, uh, Aaron, I know you're going to come up. My love, are you coming? Is it, was Alyssa you going to come as well? I can't remember. No, okay. So, Pauline, do you, do you want to come up, my love? Yeah, yeah. Aaron, do you want to come up? Yeah. Just communication here. So, um, we were in a, in, a, in a group on Friday morning, discipleship group. I get some guys up at 6.30 in the morning. In fact, they have to get up earlier than that to get to mine for 6.30. And uh, we were talking about prayers and answered prayer. And you just shared, I thought, which is just a great story. And I know you, do you, when you shared it, you weren't thinking this moment. And I know you, you were just sharing. There's a group of guys, you're just sharing. And then I said, can you? And uh, you could have said no, but you said okay. Okay, okay so... Um, as a you might te- say what you do so people I'm a musician um, and as a teen I used to stay up and listen to the radio much to my mum's dismay dreaming that a particular DJ would play my song one day um, and I was whining this week to Ange about my music career just how it's going a bit slow um, and she's just being sympathetic. Um, and then my my phone beeped, and it was a notification that um, my song had been played on radio too. And I was like, oh, that's strange. I haven't sent it to anyone recently. And it was the very DJ that I used to stay up to listen to. So that was just God reminded me that He's got me. So. That was great, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, my love. I know it, yours isn't quite like that because. Uh, <laughs> Well, we're not musicians, we're not playing on the radio, but... You're not doing so well this morning, eh? When <laughs> you said basic, I don't think this is basic, I think this is important and this is good, even though it's, we don't judge it as a big thing, we sort of rate God's provision, but I see it all as amazing. Just want to put that out there. Okay. Um, <laughs> right, uh, I'm Suitably at risk... So yeah, publicly. <laughs> uh, I... I waffle, so I'm going to try and condense this. Um, that'll be a miracle, but we'll, we'll see how we go. Um, we've got a car. It's really bad. It's dying as we speak, and we've needed a new one. And I think my whole story is more about the small voice of God. 
So I've always wanted the burning bush experience, so I'm under no doubt what to do and where to go. Unfortunately, God doesn't do that to me. And I get these little thoughts. I think, God, is that you? Is that me? Well, I think he's fine-tuning me a little bit, of which I'm grateful. So anyway, we, we got some provision for a car, and we start looking. And I'm a lazy individual, really, and so... Uh, Alicia, who's joined our family for a year, her dad's an accountant, a real money man, and he got a car, and I think, hmm, he'd have done all the research, he knows what's good, so I want that car. So I tell God, you know, we, <laughs> we get a Hyundai 1.2, I'm waffling, aren't I? And anyway, I mention at work, because I just chat all the time, hey, we need to get a new car. And there's a lady who's in one day a week. She's our speech therapist. And she said to me, oh, I know a guy in my church who has about 30 garages, and he's quite favourable to pastors. So I was like, oh, okay, if you want to give him our address or our number, whatever. But where, where I've matured in my Christian walk is I didn't rely on that. Whereas before I'd been like, right, this is the way, and let's push this door. I thought, no, I'm not going to rely on that. God will provide by whatever means. So then I start looking at Hyundai's, da-da-da-da-da. We then pick one, and we're going to go off to look at it. And we're going to hopefully park exchange our car, which would have been a miracle in itself. But anyway, we're, we've got tight time, really, really tight time. And we set off, and I said to him, did you bring the deeds to the car? And he was like, oh, I forgot them. Now that tight time deadline becomes a bit of an unrealistic deadline. And so I just said, stop the car. And so we stopped and we paused, and I said to him, do you know what? I think I'm responding out of fear. I think I'm trying to chase something because, because our car's going to die any minute, and I drive 50 minutes to work, and to get there is uber's amount of challenge. So I said, actually, if that car's meant to be... Our car hopefully will survive, or it'll be there. So we turn back, and we come back home. And then he then finds another one, and we're both free on Tuesday night. That's really rare, we're both free, not got anything on. So he says, I'll come to your work, and we'll go and do it. So he arrives at my work, and I get this call. And then, oh, sorry, I forgot a little bit before, the lady who was chasing her guy with the 30 garages had texted and said she heard nothing. And I'm at peace. I'm like, I said, it's not meant to be. God will provide. Da, da, da. Anyway, uh, he phones me, says he's down in the, my work car park. I then tell my friend who I normally give a lift home to, oh, can't give you a lift home tonight. I'm going to see a car. The speech focus lady, this is a week later, uh, then picks up her phone and says, oh, the man's replied. The garage man. I'm like, oh. And then I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Is this you? Should we go for this car? Blah, blah, blah. I am really worried. <laughs> I meet her, I said, I will decide. So I went down, showed him the email. And I think we both felt, again, I'm responding out of fear. We're responding out of fear. We want to secure something. But we feel to leave it. And this guy didn't say, got a car. He said, he's happily look. So we left it for four days. You emailed him. And then they said, oh, he's got this car. It's a Chevrolet Spark. Never even heard of him. Um... And so I thought, oh, no, no, we'd emailed exactly what we wanted, didn't we? But then he comes back with this. And so I think, do you know what? I feel that's the car for us. It was really weird. I thought, that is the car for us. So we, um, somebody said to me, oh, you can come up and look at it, see if you want it. And I thought, no, whatever it looks like, whatever it is, that's, I'm going to just have it because I feel God's clearly led us here. And it was that, I think, what's the point I'm making? There's that still small voice that 
when you humanly stop responding out of whatever it may be, not in God, and mine was definitely fear, then he opens up so much more. So this car is, a, well, no, it's a bright green, tiny little thing. I mean, I did try and see the good in that. I'll find it easily in the car park. But anyway, no, I am very grateful. But it's got low mileage. It was a really good price. It's a good year. I mean, we've got the best that we can get for the money we had. And, um, but also, I think when we listen to God, I think we had an opportunity to talk to the guy, didn't we, about church, because he asked what I did, and we were just sharing our story on things, and we're going to see him again, and I'm hopefully going to give him details of a church nearby to where he is. So there's so much more. When you go God's way, there's so much more. We, I know we've got a much better car, and funnily enough, it's not the one I thought that would be for us, but then God knows exactly what I need, so... I, th- I think it's just a richer experience than if we'd driven off on both those other occasions. So that was a lot of thought, wasn't it? Thank you, my love. You shut me up. <laughs> I didn't shut you up. <laughs> All of that was really just to talk about how God answers prayer. And I'm sure I could have got any number of people up and they could have said a testimony of how God answers prayer. And, and that's important. It's important as you come to pray... Um, that you believe God answers prayer. That he actually answers prayer and that prayer isn't something that you just do um, because you do it, but you actually believe that the God you're praying to answers. Um, He gives you what you want. Sometimes you don't even use words and God answers those longings in your heart. And so today we are, as I say, we're coming to the end of James, but in the process of coming to the end of James, we're going to be praying for people, And I want to just give a little bit of context for why we're doing that. And then I'm going to just speak a little bit into the final passage in James. And, and, and the first thing I, I, I want to talk about is recently, um, as Emma sort of alluded to, we're trying new things. We've been praying quite a lot in different settings as leaders. We've been, we've been praying a bit. And we were praying, uh, um, where are we? We're February now, aren't we? Um, In January, we had a leaders meeting and we're we're praying in that leaders meeting. And somebody, um, there's a number of different words that come, words that are encouraging us. Remember, Lally brought one and Nick brought one and Bill and Jen text me one or two. Um, And I remember Hannah brought a word in our prayer meeting, uh, Hannah Williams. And I just want to read a little bit of what she said because it really resonated with me and it really linked I I felt to the other words that were coming but this particular bit really resonated with me and she talked about this idea of a grace revival that God was going to really give us grace um, to be able to reach out and help people um, and that through that God was going to bring a kind of revival And, and this is what she said I felt that often when we think of revival, we think of hordes of people coming into the church and then repenting and giving their lives. However, I felt God wanted to give Beacon a huge amount of grace to pour out on the local community and through that revival will come. It was like a tidal wave rising up out of the church, pouring into Brixton. It will bring healing and freedom to people particularly emotionally and mentally. And it really spoke to me because when I very first came to Lead Beacon over 10 years ago, I remember walking down Tulse Hill Road towards Brixton and, and, and I had this strong sense that 
part of what was missing here was an understanding of the grace of God. That God is not like you think he is. God is way more gracious and kind than you imagine he is. And, and I had that strong sense that, that whatever I did here, it was, that was going to be part of it. That, that the extension of grace was going to be part of it. When we think about the world in which we live, most sickness, most brokenness today is not physical. You know, there aren't many of us sitting here today with broken arms and broken legs. Yeah, there aren't many of us sitting here today who are blind and we can't see physically, or who are deaf and we can't hear. I'm not saying those things aren't real, they are real. Yeah, physical sickness is real, but most brokenness today that we see is not physical. Today it's often mental, it's spiritual, it's emotional. There are aspects of life that we can't take control of. There are things about the way life is that we can't fully function in and we don't know how to do it. And you may well be materially very successful. You may be physically perfectly in health, but emotionally you're broken. And it could be for all sorts of reasons. It might be because growing up you you experienced some deeply um, difficult situations. Uh, it might not be as far as you were abused, but you were just in a situation where you didn't, uh, where you weren't the recipient of grace or the, or the recipient of kindness, where where you didn't receive any love. Maybe that was it. Maybe as a teenager, people said things to you. I remember one of my teachers saying to me, and I was taken aback. I think I've shared this story before. We'd gone in to get our results. I think it was, um, I would have been year 12. I hadn't done well. I never did well at school. So I've gone in to get my results. And I'm surprised that my mates have done really well and I haven't done well. And I remember my teacher saying to me, Hilton, you're a waste of space. And I was taken aback in that moment. I know I didn't get on with him because I was a pain in, in, in the class. I knew that. Um, but, but still, it took me back. I was taken aback. And, you know, teachers may say that, your parents may say that, there may have been other things that affect you that are not physical. No one hit me that day. Yeah? But people can speak things over you and you can then begin to live in those things. Oh, I'm a waste of space. Oh, no one likes me. Oh, I'm, I'm fat, I'm this, I'm, I'm that, I'm, I'm not bright, or whatever it is. And you can be physically well, You can be materially successful. You might be the most powerful man in the world, but you could still be broken. And in your brokenness, you make decisions. It's not like when you get more and more responsibility, you automatically become more and more mature. You don't. If you don't deal with the brokenness, you're going to do whatever you do out of your brokenness. And and that is something that that you see more and more in our world. And so the other day we were, so we'd been praying about that and that word really struck me. We were then praying the other week, the pastoral team of the church on a Thursday, we were just praying for people. And in that moment of prayer, I, I was reminded of that word that Hannah had. I, I, I was thinking about just all the people that we're praying for and some of the brokenness, some of the, the challenges that I knew people were going through. Um, And I was aware that this was the last week of James, and in the last week of James, it talks about the prayer of faith. It talks about if anyone is sick. And whilst commentators would say that that is specifically related to, to physical sickness, 
For me, it was, oh God, we're just going to extend that a little bit. It's not just about physical sickness. Someone can be physically perfectly well and be absolutely broken inside. And so, I, I, and so we then started this idea of we're going to pray today and some of us have been praying since then for today. And uh, um, I just feel like God wants to, to, to come and to speak to people. I don't know how many of you heard just tragically or heard this morning tragically the the death of Caroline Flack who was the um, um, she I think she used to present X Factor she presented Love Island and uh, one of the things that's so tragic about it is we've kind of watched the story unfold publicly we've watched we've watched this woman go from being very very successful at what she did and great following, lots of people following her. We've watched something happen in her life, in her relationship, and we've watched the result of that. And that's quite a powerful and quite a shocking thing to do, and quite a tra- tragic thing for us to have observed. Yeah? That when it came down to it, that material success, she definitely had that. Physical su- physical, she wasn't necessarily physically in any kind of um, problem, but actually... There were other things that she couldn't quite get hold of. And I feel like, if we're not careful, the church could miss the very thing that people need. The church could miss reaching out in the very ways that people need them to reach out. And I don't want us to do that. I recognise that we are all broken. And if, if I no longer am held by what my teacher told me when I was 16, 17 years old. It's not because I found a way out of it. It's because, to the word, you're a waste of space, I heard, I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. So suddenly, whatever this was said over me, it's almost like I couldn't believe that anymore. I couldn't believe that. Because God had said something else over me. The cross meant something else to me. That, okay, I might be a waste of space in this world, but in this world, this waste of space was the recipient of this grace. That Jesus died for me. Man, I may well be a waste of space, but he still died for me. And so that kind of truth, t- taking over that kind of lie, that is kind of how not only must we live, but that's the kind of world in which we're living. How do we help people understand the the truth about who God is and what he has done because God hasn't done it just for you yeah it's not like oh you know thank you Jesus for saving me God's God Jesus died for the world he didn't die just for you and for me sometimes we can kind of make it look like that he died for the world God so loved the world that he gave his only son and so that needs to be something that, that really reaches into us. And when I think about this relationship series that, that, that Matt talked about, part of me would say, if, if you were to ask me, um, do you ever do, and sometimes people ask me this question, do you ever do training for equipping people to be able to share their faith? Yeah? 30 years ago, we did that in a particular way. I remember, yeah, I'm old enough to remember 30 years ago how we did that. How we did that 30 years ago would not work today. Yeah? The way I would do it today would be to run a course like this and talk about how do you talk to people about what's going on in their lives and in their relationships? How do you stand with them? How do you extend grace to them? How do you show a very different side? How do you then tell them how you deal with stuff? How do you do that? So that's kind of 
what that's all about. And so there was this sense of the prayer of faith. There was this sense of, you know, that example, that tragic example of, of, of Caroline Flack in our world today. How do we do it? And then this is what James says. And James, you'll know James, if, you, if, you're, if you're a Christian here and you come to church, you'll know that James doesn't pull punches. Yeah? He's the book, he writes the book where you stand up and you go, do you know what, he's going to hit me in the eye. I know he's going to hit me, it's going to hurt right here. Because James just doesn't pull his punches. But at the end of the book, he shows grace. And this is what he says. Is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone, is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Father, speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. This passage begins with, if anyone is in trouble. If anyone is in trouble. By trouble, it's not simply talking about troubling situations. You might be in a troubling situation or circumstance. You might be in a difficult situation or circumstance. And last week we talked about suffering and how are we meant to handle it when we are in situations where we are suffering, where we are struggling, where we are in trouble. This isn't so much talking about the situation or the circumstance, but it is talking about how on the inside of me am I handling the trouble? How do I handle the difficulty? How is it affecting me, not on the outside, because I could be quite a positive person on the outside and and therefore I come across really positively to you, but how is it affecting me inside? How am I doing on the inside? What is, it, what is it making of me? Part of the way we handle uh, these things, it has this big impact on our inner lives, our emotions, on our hearts, you know, on our, on our, even on our minds, on our capacity. You, sometimes you, you meet someone and they're, they're, oh, you're not here, are you? You're, you're, something's, on, something's on your mind. How do we deal with it? And what, what James is saying is, if you are in trouble... If you are having some inner life challenges, what does he say? He says, pray. Pray. So this is definitely for the Christian. Yeah, but it could be for more than the Christian. It's definitely for the Christian. The Bible says, if you are in trouble, if you are struggling with some things, if you are suffering, pray. Yeah. So the Bible suggests that prayer is one of the answers to our struggle. Yeah? It's not just the, the last resort, oh, I've, I've tried to do all these things, I've tried to sort it out, couldn't do it. No, it's not the last resort, it's the first resort. If you are in trouble, pray. 
Come to God. Unburden yourself. That's one of the ways you can define prayer. It's about unburdening yourself. Yeah? If you pray and you never quite unburden yourself, you might want to pray again. You might want to get to the place where prayer is about unburdening. Prayer is about, you know, when you've got loads of things going on, you want to go and see like your dad or whoever it is in your life that you talk to, you go and talk to that person, you, are, you offload all your stuff and you feel better. Yeah? You, we, we do that. You just offload all your stuff and you feel better. Well, prayer can be like that for you. You can offload to your Father in Heaven and feel better. Yeah? It's not an experiential feeling, I'm feeling better, but it's a recognition, oh God, he's got it. He's got it. It's in his hands, he's able. Don't speak to God like he isn't able. Like he needs your help to sort things. God doesn't need your help. Yeah, God has got it. You can unburden yourself. If anyone's in trouble, pray. And if you do that, it begins to impact your inner life. Not just the externals. It begins to impact and touch the... It strengthens you on the inside. That's what God does. Secondly, it says, if anyone is happy. And by happy, the scriptures aren't necessarily talking about, oh, West Ham won yesterday, that made me feel happy. Yeah, and that would make you feel happy, because it doesn't happen very often. And it looks like we could end up going down, actually, this year. Um, uh, but I, I don't take that on myself. It's not my identity, West Ham. It is when we're doing well, it's not when we're doing badly. Yeah, that's how you deal with it. But it says, if anyone is um, happy, it says, <coughs> let them sing songs of praise. Yeah? This is not positive thinking or just being, oh yeah, I'm just being really... This is not positive thinking. This is the deep-rooted contentment of the heart which is not based on your circumstance. Yeah? There is a joy that you can have and, and Pauline often sort of talks to me about this. She said, you never look joyful, okay, but I'm joyful in my heart. Yeah? And sometimes it's true and sometimes it's probably not true. But sometimes there is a deep-rooted contentment and joy in your heart that is not based on your circumstance. It's based on your Father. It's based on Him. It's not based on anything you've done. It's not based on the fact that you passed an exam or that you passed your driving test or this happened or that happened that was good. It's not based on those things. There's something that's much deeper than that. And it says, when you have that kind of happiness, cheerfulness, sing songs of praise. Yeah? The response to deep happiness is praise. And for the Christian, that makes a lot of sense. If you're a Christian, that's how you respond. And then it goes on, if anyone is ill or sick, (coughs) it says, call the elders. So what does it mean when it talks about illness or sickness? As I said, it does mean, many commentators would say that it means physical illness, if you are physically unwell. And I get that, and definitely when we pray in a moment, we want to pray for people who are physically unwell. (coughs) But it must mean more than that. Or it must be okay to go, no, that, that can mean more than that. It can't just mean physical. Because so many of us might be physically well. Yeah, you can go to the doctors and you can take some stuff and you can be physically well. Uh, but, but we're not well in many other ways. And if we ignore that, yeah, then we just go along as broken people. It's almost like I've got a broken leg and I've just not done anything about it. And then when it heals, it heals, but I now walk with a limp. I didn't walk with a limp before because it didn't heal right. 
Many of us, we might have emotional or other, other kinds of sicknesses or brokenness. And if we don't, if we don't bring them to God, if, if God doesn't heal them, they might heal to a degree or we might be able to bury them to a degree, but then we live with a limp. It's not quite right. So if anyone is sick, <clears throat> and that's not anyone's fault, that sickness, it might be something that has just happened to you. It's not, it's not your fault. It might be, as I say, out of things that people have said or done to you. It might have come in all sorts of different ways. But you know in your heart <clears throat> there's a brokenness there. Oh, if you touch me there, I, no, that, I cover that. I cover that. And sometimes it means that's why I react in this way or that way. Sickness is not always seen. It's not always physical, as I say. And so if anyone is like that, it says, call those who are in spiritual leadership in the church community and get them to pray. That's what it says. And that's essentially what we're doing today. We're saying if anyone is sick, if anyone is ill, and I, I, yeah, I, we can pray for a cold, we can. But I'm not talking about that kind of thing. You might have some life-threatening sickness, physical or you might know, emotionally, I'm, I'm broken. That, that, I've never got over it. I've never allowed truth to come in like the antidote or the antibiotic to bring healing. Because truth does bring healing if you allow truth in. It brings healing. It can heal you. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for those who are... <coughs> sick and so when we do that again it's, and this is not about oh yeah there's a certain kind of person who's sick in the church um, but you know when you get to that position of leadership you're, you're not the sick people, you, we've gone through all the sickness and we're okay, no this is if anyone if anyone and so my, my, my desire is that we would all respond here yeah, we'd all respond uh, I mean don't respond if you're like well I'm not sure if I feel sick do I need to respond because Okay, I'll, I'll pretend I'm sick. I can't think of it. But the truth is, if we're honest with ourselves, you've got to be honest with yourself. Because if you're not honest with yourself, you'll never receive, you never really receive healing. And if you don't ever receive healing, it's like you live with a limp. Yeah, that's what it's like. So you've got to be honest with yourself. Why did I do that? Sometimes, you know... Where do you go? So often I say to myself, where do I go when I'm, when I'm really tired, when I'm really sort of down or whatever? Where do I go? What, what's the wound for me? What's the weakness for me? Where does my mind go when I'm at my worst? Have I been healed of that? So in a moment, we're going to pray. <clears throat> and then it says, interestingly enough, in the, same, in the same passage, it talks about, and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Because sometimes our sickness comes from our sin. Yeah? Sometimes it's my sin that has brought about my sickness. Sometimes actually it might be someone else's sin that has brought about my sickness. On all times, it is sin that brings about my sickness. It might not be my sin, it might not even be your sin, but there was sin when it, sin entered the world. It changed everything. It distorted it. It distorted our relationship with God. It made our relationship with one another dysfunctional. It distorted everything. Sin has an impact. And it may be that you know, it may be you know in your life, yeah, my sickness 
is because of sin. I know that. I can connect those two things. Well, if that's you, it says they will be forgiven. Yeah? Isn't that wonderful that you don't need to hold it? Don't hold it out of guilt, please. You don't need to hold it. If you have sinned, you can be forgiven. This is what Jesus did all the time. Yeah, he healed people, and sometimes when he healed them, he said, your sins are forgiven. Oh, I didn't even see the connection. Jesus sees the connection. And then it tells us that we should confess our sins to one another and pray for each other. Now, that would be a wonderful thing to do, that we would pray for one another. Now, when it says confess, I'm not necessarily thinking that you're going to confess every deeper sin that you've ever done to the person next to you. Yeah? So please, I'm not, I'm not expecting you to do that. But confession really does help. Don't take it too far, but it does help to be able to confess, to be able to speak out. And then it talks about the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Well, who are the righteous? If you be in Christ, you're the righteous. You're the righteous. So it's not that there are special people with special powers of prayer. If you're in Christ, you're righteous because of what Jesus has done. Therefore, your prayers are powerful and effective. You need to kind of just believe it. And it gives us this example of Elijah. And then I just think this wonderful pastoral moment at the end of the letter where James says, those who have wandered from the truth. In our context, it's not so much that people have taken biblical truth and wandered from it. You just might have wandered away. You're out, you're out of it at the moment. You're not, you're not connected into a body, which means you are more vulnerable than people who are connected into a body of believers. Or you've not found your place somewhere. It just means that there is more vulnerability for you. And what it says here in grace is if you've wandered from the truth, someone will bring you back. And when they bring you back, what they'll do, they'll cover your sin. Uh, it's just wonderful what God does. Yeah, It's not about exposing your sin. It's about covering your sin. It's about forgiving you of your sin. It's wonderful what God does. So I've come to this place where I really feel like I want us to, uh, I've been praying about this this week, we're going to respond to God today. We're going to respond, and and particularly we're going to respond around uh, those who who might be sick or or are ill. In a moment we'll we'll worship, and when we do, um, that will be like if you're happy, if you've got that deep sense of rooted contentment, or at least you want that, then we're going to respond today. And then I'm sure there'll be a moment where we pray for one another. But first of all, this is about coming to God. And and it says, let them call the elders, the spiritual leaders, and the prayer offered in faith. I don't have magic prayers. Yeah? There's no magic in me. Yeah? And you'll know, if you know me, you think, oh, he's not very magical. Yeah? I don't have any magic. I do have some faith, though, to believe that God wants to touch some lives here today. God wants to bring some healing. Or at the very least, God wants you to know. Aaron's prayer wasn't, one day, Aaron, you're going to be a big superstar. Aaron's prayer was, God knows, Aaron. Isn't that wonderful when God shows he knows you? He knows your situation. He knows the thing that no one else might know or understand. God knows it. And it's wonderful when God reminds you of that. I know. I get it. I'm with you. So what I want us to do, just initially, is I just want us to um, have a moment where we, kind of just where we're sitting, we just bow our heads.
Let's just be before God. <coughs> One of the things that I think has been, for me anyway, revelation over the last little while, the last year or so, we did a whole series on worship, is how much God actively speaks when we gather to people. And even right now, God is speaking to you. He's speaking. And I want to give him an opportunity to, to, um, for you to hear him. So we're just going to just give a few moments right now for you to, in silence, listen to him. To be honest when he puts something, when he puts his finger on something in your life that you know is broken, that you're honest to admit it. Don't hide behind your position, your name, your past, your history. Don't hide. When God presses you, acknowledge it. Holy Spirit, we we ask that you would come like that oil that this passage talks about, the anointing of oil. I ask that you would come, Holy Spirit, and touch people here today who are sick. Touch people here today who are broken. Touch people here today who are captivated by sin. They're locked up. They're caught up in something. Holy Spirit, would you come and touch them? So often the, the oil of his, anoint, of, of his anointing is the Holy Spirit. So I ask, Father, send your Holy Spirit now upon your people. Touch them. I feel like where God has brought things to your mind, as I'm sure he will have done, because this is what God does, I just want you to begin to pray. Begin to pray. Name those things before God. Ask him, Father, would you heal me? Would you come to me? Ask him. Right now, just ask him. Ask him to heal. I feel like there are people who will move on in a moment but you just feel caught up in something uh, it's not maybe it's not quite an addiction but you're in a cycle of either behaviour or attitude or you go around in a cycle and you can't seem to break it part of healing is that that gets broken Isaiah 61 says he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Father, there are some in this room who are in darkness. Would you release them? There are some who are in prison. Would you set them free? Would you set them free? Thank you, Father. The Holy Spirit is working because he always does. There's never, there's a never a moment when he's not working. Remember what we sang earlier. 
Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. And right now, he's working. My encouragement to you is to respond to his working. One of the things that I feel for people is um, there's a deep understanding of his grace which comes down to acceptance. It comes down to an acceptance of who God is, of what he's like, of the life that you live, of who you are. You can get to a certain age in life and you realise, oh, I'm not the person I thought I was. This is not the life I thought I would be living. I'm not doing the things I thought I would do. And, and that can lead to a deep sense of disappointment. Or even disillusionment. It leads to, oh man, when I was 12, 13, 14, whatever age it was, I, I thought it would be like this. There is a deep sense of acceptance. Not of, oh well, it's never going to be like that. But of who God has made you to be. So you're not fighting and striving. You're not disappointed all the time in who you are because you're not who you thought you wanted to be. You've messed up in ways you never thought you would. Oh, I never thought I would do that. And how did it, how did it end up like this for me? I just think there's something about the grace of God. If you're a Christian, there's grace for you. And in this way, grace is about acceptance. I accept, Father who you've made me to be. And I praise the fact that you are with me. That I am forgiven. What I want us to do now, just for a couple of minutes, is um, uh, and you just do it if you feel comfortable, just to turn to one another. I'm not asking you to confess all your sins. I'm really not. But I am asking you to pray for each other. Just where you are, just say, oh, can you pray for me? And just, it might be that you want to say something, or it may be that you can, can you just pray for me? And remember what I said about the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. And if you be Christian, you're righteous. So your prayers are powerful and effective. So can we do that for a moment? Just turn maybe in twos or threes, find someone, and just begin to pray for one another. Maybe if there is sickness, pray for that. But if not, just just pray for one another. Pray for blessing. Pray for God's hand to be upon you. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the teamwork, current events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.